Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Well, it's Mark Sheldrake here with Derek K. Mink. It's Unlocking the Truth podcast. Again, we are into the second week of our series called Build. Uh, the idea behind Build is what practically can we do as individuals to further the gospel here in our country. Our country so desperately needs the gospel. More importantly, our churches, they need to study the Word of God. That's what we're going to cover together. Let's pray and uh, we'll get right into it. Father, we come before you thankful for the opportunity we have to use this podcast as a way of ministry uh, to reach out to individuals all across this country. That as we study together, as we learn Um, through the discussion how you want to build this country, Lord. We ask that you would challenge us from your word today, that you would convict us where conviction is needed. As Father, we will see conviction in the scriptures. Uh, And so we pray that um, uh, this will be fruitful for you in your name. Amen. Amen. So you'll remember uh, last week, uh, last time we met in the podcast, we uh, basically laid out the overall problem in our country Uh, sin, uh, moral um, truth is more relevant than uh, biblical truth. Mm -hmm. We've got struggles with really, I think it all begins with uh, the definition of marriage, uh, marriage losing its true definition from a biblical standpoint. The crumbling of the family as well is another big thing uh, the the how rampant divorce is in our world that uh, when divorce became uh, something that was very easily to do very easily to make happen uh, and became very uh, uh, active in our country I think that's when we started to go downhill the, the family unit it's it's vital we see that in the book of Deuteronomy that we're to raise up our children, teaching them the Word of God. And uh, it's just not good. And so uh, we want to look at building. So what is our uh, responsibility? Well, we talked about that last week, Derek. And if you want to review uh, what our responsibility is. Yeah, we were called to uh, to wake up, to see the... Um what's going on around us and to not just uh, sit idly by and um, and do nothing but we are to see the problems and uh, and and we are called to um, to not just ignore them but to see them for what they are and um, we go to the scriptures and the scriptures tells us that we're to wake up that we're to be alert um, and that we are to take action to uh, to build um, the kingdom of God here in this world, specifically in uh, for us as Canadians uh, in our own country, um, which is not a popular thing to do. Um, but when we face opposition, we are called to uh, continue to do what it is that that we have been called to do. Well, this week we want to look at uh, Nehemiah chapter one, and uh, we want to look at. The life of Nehemiah, because Nehemiah is a fantastic biblical leader. There's so much truth in Nehemiah for leaders and individuals that they can learn from him. Uh, Our staff, we've been working through the book of Exodus. And even in the the study of Exodus, um, 
this week in our study that we're going to be doing, the question became, what can you learn from Moses in his leadership? And so that's what we want to ask about Nehemiah is what can we learn uh, from his leadership? And and uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, I'm not going to read uh, each of the verses. There's some names in there that are, are very interesting. <laughs> but uh, let me paraphrase for you. Um, Nehemiah is, uh, this is after the temple has been built. Ezra has built the temple. The walls are down around the city. They've been destroyed back, back when Nebuchadnezzar came through and took them into captivity. And Nehemiah wants to know what's going on in Jerusalem because he has a job uh, as the cupbearer uh, to the king, to King Artaxerxes. And so he wants to know what's going back on, on back at home. And he asks uh, his, uh, some men to give him a report. And in verse 3, uh, the report says that the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned. In reproach is shame and disgrace. It's like an embarrassment from what it was to what it is now. And verse 4 begins to give us an idea of how much he's embarrassed, Mm. how much uh, the city is in disgrace and reproach. Uh, why don't you read that verse, Derek? Yeah, I, verse 4 just sets up uh, how Nehemiah feels about this report that he's gotten about the, the wall still being down, the gate still being burned. He says, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So the first first point we want to make uh, in this this week is that as individuals who are believers in Jesus Christ, that's Christian, you, me, people who have professed Jesus as Lord and Savior, we need to be looking through a biblical lens. And as we look through that biblical lens, recognize how far we have fallen from the plumb line of God's word. Mm -hmm. We have to recognize the world that we live in. And uh, the Bible's clear. We don't, uh, we're not of the world. We live in the world. We're citizens of heaven. But we have to recognize what is going on around us. And that's what happens with Nehemiah. The moment he hears the report, his reaction is what? Yeah, he just, he bawls, he weeps. Um, he is, uh, his heart is broken uh, when he hears about the brokenness of, of his home. And uh, we should be reacting the same way. When, he, when we hear reports about um, the country that we live in, when we hear reports of this, the, the status of the kingdom of God within our borders, um, this is how we should be reacting because uh, we're not any better off. Uh, we live in, in a country um, that rejects 
the Word of God, uh, that rejects the truth found in the gospel at every turn, every chance they get. Um, they will take the opposite um, approach to, to life, uh, to truth that we have in, in God's word. And, uh, and so what we have is we have a, a nation that is broken, whose gates are, uh, are burnt, and, uh, and we should see the sins of our, of our country and we should be in reproach. We should be embarrassed. We should be ashamed. And, uh, and what we see here in Nehemiah uh, in his character is this breaks him because um, his heart is still uh, for, his, for his home, for Jerusalem and for Israel. Uh, his desire is to see it built uh, and brought back to its former glory. Um, because that's uh, the promise that he received from God. And uh, so we need to ask ourselves, um, when we look at the status of the kingdom of God within our country, are we, uh, are we in reproach? Are we embarrassed? Are we ashamed of, uh, of how God's word, God's name is being used uh, in our communities, in our homes, in our schools, uh, maybe even uh, in our own churches? You know, when, when traveling to Israel with the precept tour, uh, those of you listening, we're going in March again. Love to have you join us on the Israel tour. There's a museum that we go to, and that museum has a model of Jerusalem during the times <clears throat> of the scriptures, and uh, it has a model of the temple. And the temple and the Holy of Holies and all of its glory and its a full city model where, I mean, the walls around the temple, uh, the walls around the city, it, you can see it all. It just gives you a really good picture and understanding of what it's like. And imagine to be a person like Nehemiah who, who could probably look back and remember what everything looked like prior to um, his uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's destruction. Uh, the temple was destroyed. The, the new temple that was built, Ezra's temple, uh, would never house the glory of God. Uh, God wasn't going to return to that temple like he was in the temple of Solomon's time. The, the walls, which were high walls that were there for military you know, power to show power and to surround the city for protection, those walls were all gone. And so if you look back and you see that... It says in the scripture that he mourned for days. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, <clears throat> as us as individuals, can you remember back? Like every article that I see about um, church these days is about why young people are leaving the church. Why church attendance is down. I don't... Or so-and-so minister has fallen to sexual allegations. Like you don't see... Uh, you know, hundreds of articles being written about massive growth in churches. And we can look back and we can say to ourselves, I mean, I'm only 40 something years old and look back and say, I remember when Sunday school classes were filled with children. Mm -hmm. And I remember when churches were filled with people and some might say, oh, well, that's because we've changed to drums and we, we don't have the hymns anymore. But that's not the case. Somewhere along the line, we've we've moved away from the plumb line of God's word to maybe, I don't know, entertain 
to to give a present a gospel that doesn't show God as a wrathful God, as a just God, but to show only God as a loving God. And so we've gone to this touchy feely kind of church motto in, in the hopes of evangelizing more people. And we're seeing a falling away and people who are in an older generation than my generation would, would look and remember back when it was even greater than my generation. And that's what Nehemiah is doing, looking back and going, Oh my goodness, I can't believe the wonder and the beauty of, of Jerusalem is completely destroyed. And so it makes me ask this question. The question is of all those listening and even of you, Derek, is when was the last time you mourned and wept over what our country looks like? And that's the, the, the initial reaction and response to when I look at our country is one of anger and opposition. Um, instead of seeing it as a, a nation um, that needs that we need to mourn over, I see it as one that sometimes I feel like it needs to be overthrown. And, and that's not what God calls us to do. He doesn't call us to overthrow. He calls us to uh, submit to the authority, um, but to, um, to mourn for that sin and to, uh, to move in a direction that will bring, um, bring glory to God in, in my own life and in my own home. And that, ex- that, that, will, uh, that will have a ripple effect. If I'm focusing on what God has called me to do, studying the word, uh, preaching the word, uh, witnessing and making disciples um, in my home and in my community and in my church, then, then, then God is going to bless those efforts. Um, and uh, the prayer is that uh, we, can, we can have a a grassroots movement from the bottom up from individual believers who are uh, doing what they are called to do that will rebuild the kingdom of God in our country. I think it's amazing. You know, we lost a real patriarch of the faith in the last year in Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as a child and as a young adult, I can remember watching television programs with Billy Graham that they were on on Saturday nights and you know, he'd have arenas full of people. And then when he would preach the gospel, I always wondered if anybody was actually left in their seats Mm -hmm. because people would, you know, flock to the front to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But, um, and I don't know about you, but I want that. You know, I want... I want people in Canada, and I really feel called to be a person, and that's why we're doing this build. I really feel like... God has called me to be a Nehemiah in our country, and, and I'm hoping and praying he'll call others to be Nehemiahs, and, and we'll build and get to work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just into your comment about, you know, you want to overturn it. And the thing that we need to remember that's going to bring us into the next point is uh, in Psalm chapter 2, uh The psalmist is writing here and he says, Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his holy anointed one, saying, Let us tear fetters apart. Let us cast away their cords from us. The idea of fetters is bonds. What holds us together? He who sits in the heavens laughs. 
the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them and in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Uh, as the world plans and plots for the destruction of the Christian faith, as the world plans and plots and schemes to push their agendas forward, as the world plans and plots for their own personal gain, I love the verse that God sits in heaven and laughs at them. You know, he scoffs at them. He knows that judgment is coming. He knows what's already going to happen. But he's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's like the world is his footstool, I believe the yeah. Bible always says. And he's not concerned about the end. He knows what the end is, but he's in control. Mm-hmm. And so if he's in control, then we need to take the next step that Nehemiah did. Once we recognize what's going on in this world, you know, Superman is one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. When Superman had his super hearing or when he knew something was was going on, he immediately took action. Right. Well, the action that Nehemiah is about to take is unlike Superman because Superman would just go in and solve the problem. What does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah goes to God. He spends uh, time in prayer. And he spends time in confession and repentance, um, not just for his sins, but for the sins of the people. He goes back and he, uh, he remembers why they're in exile, what the people have done um, that forced them out of the promised land and into exile. He remembers um, what it was like and what they were doing, uh, and he repents for himself uh, and for uh, for God's people, for the people of Israel. Uh, and he prays for a return of those who have been scattered uh, in the remotest parts. Uh, he prays that God will bring them back together in his power. He prays that God will hear his prayers uh, and uh, and understand and know his desire to uh, to have the nation back together again. I just want to give a picture of this so that we could maybe context it a little Mm -hmm. bit. He hears about the problem. Uh, God speaks to his heart definitely as he hears about that problem. Uh, Verse 5 says, I beseech you, O Lord, O God of heaven. Verse 11 again says, I beseech you. That word beseech means to beg Mm -hmm. God. Beg God to move. And when I picture this, I picture this like Nehemiah is still crying. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He's still in tears and he's begging God to do something. He's begging God to remember the covenant. Mm -hmm. Remember the promise you made, God. Then he reminds them of broken covenant, not God's broken covenant, but the people's breaking of the covenant in sin. And he asks for forgiveness on behalf of all people, like you said. Well, 
Are we doing that? You know, are we going to the Lord in prayer? And are we praying and asking God to forgive us for mm-hmm. our broken covenant? Are we praying for the way that our leaders are behaving in our country? You know, it's one thing to get upset about it and comment it all about it online and on Facebook. Yeah. Where that seems to be everything happens these days. Yeah. And the extent to which it happens, that's, that's the end. That's all we do. We go and we rant and then, and that's it. Right. But are we taking it to God? Mm-hmm. And I might get the, the name wrong of the quote, but I, I want to say it's E.M. Bounds. And E.M. Bounds, he was a pillar of prayer. If you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never studied the writings of E.M. Bounds, you need to study the writings of E.M. Bounds because he will drastically change your prayer life. But he said, prayer moves the arm of the one who moves the world. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You're going to pray to God that he will reach out and change, mm-hmm. make a change. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing thing to understand um the power of prayer. Um one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis says, I can't I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. When we, um, when we see what's wrong with our country, uh, instead of saying, God, change our country, when we go to prayer, we ask God to, to change ourselves. Um, and, and he has, uh, he will be able to do whatever it is that he wants to do. And our prayer is that, um, is that we will be the instruments of the change that we want to see happen, that God will change our hearts uh, to be in line with, uh, with his word and with his desires. And, and we don't do what we want, but we do what it is that, that God wants. So the, the big thing here is to understand that the first step in building is recognizing that there is a problem mm-hmm. and the only solution is God. And then go to prayer. The problem with this is, it sounds so cliche. Yeah. Pray for your country. Mm-hmm. But if you fully understood God and his character and what God was able is able to do and what he has done within the scriptures, that would be the first place you would go. Mm-hmm. It'd be the first absolute source that you would want to tap into because we're just one individual. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, and I've start, I was sort of hit with mortality really quickly. Like, my son uh, is in high school, and my daughter is in grade 8, and my daughter's graduating high school, or public school in June, and then we'll be off to high school. Four short years of high school, and she'll be off at university. By the time she gets off to university, I'll be 40-something, 48-ish right and then 
then there's, you know, I'm looking at some of the people who have come through our transformed student ministry who are married and having children. And some of my youth group kids from my church married and, and three and four children and working in the, in the workforce now. And they're in their 30s. And I'm thinking to myself, like, before I know it, I'm 50. And then 60, 70, 80, and it's the end of my life. And that is such a short window. Mm -hmm. I hardly remember the first 14 years of my life now. I can only really remember the the later part, like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But we have such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. that the impact that we make... uh, can be something that can be of now. Mm -hmm. Like, as a leader, the impact that I make in the next five years, if if leadership changed, that could all change. Right. But the impact that God can make in our country can can go well beyond whatever you and I could do in a short amount of time in the lifespan that we have. And so why in the world would we not want to tap into that source? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we Mark and I can come up with a plan, um, but if it's if it's not God's plan, it's not going to succeed, um, and it might succeed as long as we're here and we're we're running things uh, with this plan that that we can come up with. But if if it's not the plan of God, then when we're gone, the, then the plan stops, and and we need to tap into the power of God, uh, the character of God, so that we align ourselves with. Uh, with accomplishing God's glorious purposes uh, and and not our own designs for what we think God wants. So where does it start? Well, here's where it starts, people. It starts with you recognizing that you need to go to God in prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, how's your prayer life? Mm -hmm. You know, are you praying for uh, your country? And and using the example of Nehemiah in in verses 4 to 10, he doesn't only pray for the fathers and the sins that he's committed, he's prayed for himself. Yeah. When was the last time you opened your heart to God and you asked God to search your heart for your sins? And I wanted to show you Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, uh, David, he's writing. He just finished it. He talks about God in, in verses 1. Uh, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Then he talks about God continuing in his character through verse 6. Then he talks about God's law, his perfect law, how it's as sweet as a honeycomb and how beautiful it is. And then he says, God in your character, through your law, search my heart. Mm -hmm. And he says, listen, he goes, who can discern his errors? God, acquit me of my hidden faults. Father, show me the sins that are in my life that I don't even know Mm -hmm. are present. Then he says, Father, you know, keep your servant back from presumptuous sin. Presumptuous sin is the worst sin of all because it's sin that you know is a sin, but you commit it anyway. Because why? Well, grace still abounds so I can keep on Mm. sinning. May it never be. So God, convict me of the sins that I know are wrong, but I keep doing them anyway. And then he says in verse 13, let them not rule over me. Well, that's another type of sin. That is an enslaving sin. 
that's the sin that you as a believer still allow it to rule your life. Well, if you're a believer, sin has been defeated. You shouldn't have enslaving sins. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin. But when was the last time you asked God to look for your hidden sins, Mm -hmm. your presumptuous sins, and your enslaving sins? Seek the Lord. Repent. Ask for forgiveness for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. If we continue to look at at how Nehemiah tackles this problem, um, the next verse is not about him uh, getting on his horse and heading to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the wall. Uh, Nehemiah shows incredible patience. He waits on God. He doesn't run in to action, um, but he waits to hear from the Lord. Um, and he sits and he thinks and he prays. And uh, it is a, a long time before uh, he is ready to, uh, to act on uh, what he believes to be uh, God's plan. That's the problem, is the waiting. Mm-hmm. My philosophy uh, since becoming the director of precept ministries in Canada has always been wait upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. Seek the Lord for guidance, but don't move until the cloud moves. Mm. This is Moses. Yeah. You know, Moses didn't want to go into the promised land without God. Yeah. Like he didn't want to move forward. When the cloud moved, they moved. And so... Every time you step outside of the cloud, every time you step outside of God's plan, you usually end up in a failure. Mm-hmm. And so it's better to follow in line. So the other part is this, and this has been a leadership principle that I've taken on in my entire life. And I want to be careful the way that I say this, because this is not about arrogance. Mm-hmm. This is not about pride, but I really have to believe deep within my heart that I'm a part of the solution through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Not me, not my mind, not my hands, not my feet, not my body. Yes, yes, yes. But by following the cloud that I'm a part of the solution. And I actually pray regularly that God would use me to be a part of the solution in Canada. Is that not what Nehemiah is doing in the, in, in the final couple verses of chapter 1? Yeah, he says, hear, hear me. Hear the prayer of your servant, the prayer of your servants who delight and revere your name. Make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. He's talking about, uh, about the king. Uh, and so he's asking God to use him and to make him successful as he carries out um, this plan that he has. If we don't believe that we are a part of the solution, um, then all we're doing is, is, uh, it is passing off the responsibility to somebody else. Um, and what is sometimes is, is so difficult is when God is going to do this work. And if you refuse or if you don't want to be a part of it, God is going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Uh, But by his grace, he allows us to be a part of it as well. Uh, And God is going to do what he wants to do. 
Um, and if you're not willing, someone he will use someone else. Uh, so we need to be we need to understand that God is is bringing us in and inviting us to uh, to help Him build His kingdom. We need to believe that we are a part of God's uh, of God's plan to uh, to bring about His kingdom. I want to take you back and give you a better understanding of why you need to believe this. I want to read um, Genesis for you. I don't want to read the whole chapter because we don't have all that time. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Verse 3 is what I want you to hear. He says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4. God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. I want you to know something. Those of you who are listening and a part of this Build podcast, God spoke and he said, let there be light and there was light. If God wanted to turn this world upside down for the gospel, all he has to do is speak. Mm -hmm. But he chose to use you. He wants to use you to build the kingdom in this country. What an amazing privilege that the very fact that God could speak creation into this world, he doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. And so like Nehemiah, we have to pray for opportunities. Mm -hmm. You got a couple cross references there, Derek. Yeah, in, uh, in Romans chapter 15, uh, Paul says, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who had not heard shall understand. Uh, it's easy for us to surround ourselves with people who believe what we believe. Um, the difficulty and what Paul thought believed his calling to be was to go out among the people who did not yet know who Jesus Christ was. Uh, it's easy to stay home and to uh, just talk about what's wrong with our world. It's easy to say if only they would know, could know the truth. It's easy to say they've been deceived and I hope someday someone will tell them the truth. Um, we need to take a page out of Paul's book to, um, to purposely and intentionally go out to the places that do not know who Jesus Christ is, and to bring them the truth. Because he says that they who had no news shall see. What an incredible testimony that would be, um, that we got out of our churches uh, and that we went and we uh, we befriended. We, we entered into relationship with people who did not know who Jesus was in order that we could bring them the truth that they had not bring them the news they had not seen and had not heard so that they can understand. Um, I've heard sometimes people who are uh, praying for their neighborhood 
and they pray when a, a neighbor moves away. They pray that God will bring another Christian, another believer into their neighborhood. I think we should pray for the opposite, that we should pray that God will bring people into our lives who need to hear and understand the truth of the gospel so that we can do the work of, of an evangelist and as a uh, disciple maker to uh, enter into relationship with people in order that they will see Jesus and that they will hear the truth and they will understand it. The interesting part here, and, and as we, we get to wrap up here, is I really feel like Nehemiah got the word from his from his buddies. Yeah. And they said, here's what, here's what Jerusalem looks like. The walls are gone. There's a temple rebuilt, but there's no protection. Mm-hmm. I think in Nehemiah's heart, he, he did. The Bible tells us clearly he mourned for days and he fasted and he prayed to the God of heaven. But the reason I think he prayed was, one, because they were in reproach. Two, because he, needed, he, he knew he needed to go home. Mm-hmm. And he felt compelled that he needed to go and do something about it. The problem was that Nehemiah knew his role. Nehemiah knew his position. It was a very important position to the king. I mean, he tested the food to see if it was poison. Mm -hmm. And he needed to be praying for an opportunity to stand before Artaxerxes to share his heart, to share that he needed to go home because he felt compelled to go rebuild those walls. As individuals in our country, you know, we're not all pastors. We're not all people who... Uh, are in leadership. And so we all too need to know our role. Mm -hmm. We need to know our position. One, we need to know our position under the mighty hand of God, as Peter tells us. And the second is we need to know our position in the church. We can have a ton of fired up Christians walking around, going to their pastors and their leadership saying, I feel compelled to reach our country, but we do have to submit to the authority that's before us. And that's why it's so important to pray. Mm -hmm. Because we have to pray for God to open those doors and those opportunities That's right. to get before our pastors, to get before our leadership and talk to them about what what's on our heart and how we can change. Forget about the whole country. How can we change our church, our mm-hmm. community, our, you know, our city, our province? And as we do that in individual situations throughout, we're going to change our country. Mm-hmm. But you see, this is, the, this is the matter of the fact, and this is where we've got to wrap up. It all starts with prayer, folks. And can you imagine, I don't know how many people, you know, we've, ha- we've had hundreds of people listening to the podcast over, over the book of James, over the book of 1 John, and as we're getting into this build. Imagine, let's just say for, a, for you know, example, let's say 200 people are listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen when 200 people start to pray the exact same prayer mm-hmm. that God would give them opportunities to, to take the gospel into their community, into their neighborhoods, into, even into their churches, opportunities to teach Bible study through inductive Bible study, and, and then God starts to open up those opportunities. We're going to see change. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is what we need to do. From this until the next time we meet on the podcast is we need to pray. And we need to pray and beg God for opportunity, mm-hmm. just like Nehemiah. Yeah, we need to recognize the problems and not just say, yep, there's a problem. We need to repent 
of our of our sins, uh, and also for the sins of our family and and our nation. Um, to to be on our knees before God and to mourn over those over those sins, and to, like Mark said, pray for opportunity and wait for God to move. Um, and sometimes it's obvious, sometimes it's not so obvious, but we know those times when the Holy Spirit has prompted us to act or to speak and we've ignored it um, or we haven't and it's been fruitful. Um, so we need to pray for those opportunities and, and take them when they come up. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and uh, this is an opportunity, Lord, for us to beg you to do something great in our country. Father, we are so thankful for all the Bible study leaders and the students who are, are meeting as we speak in their classes all over this country. Father, we are seeing some great growth in precept, numbers of new classes and students. But Father, there is so much more work to be done. There's 38 million people in this country. There's multiple different religions. There's multiple belief systems. There's people who are being led by their own moral truth, their own definition of truth. We have a leadership in our country, Lord, that speaks of inclusiveness and yet excludes Christianity. And Father, we pray that you would do a mighty work. We know you're sitting on your throne. You're knowing all of this is happening. We may not fully understand why we have the leaders we have. We may not fully understand the work that uh, is being done in this country. But Father, we pray for opportunity. We pray that you would open doors for us as individuals to come before the leadership in our churches, to people in our communities, that we would be actively looking for places where you are at work and showing us how we can better serve you in our kingdom. Father, help us build this country. Father, help us to restore this country back to the word of God. Father, help people in this uh, venture to live by the plumb line of your truth, that they'd not be ashamed for sharing what your word says, for your word brings us closer to you. In your son said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through to the Father except through you. And John also wrote that Jesus is the word. And so, Father, help us. Help us to speak truth, uh, study truth, and live truth. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.